Welcome to the podcast From Depression to Expression. I'm your host, Oliver Schirach. I have struggled for many years with low energy, self-worth and depression, which have hindered me to truly live my life and express the beauty that is within me. To help myself, I started to learn a lot of things. After many years, I feel ready to share what I've learned with you. You're at the right place if you want to find out more about what is depression, what can cause it and how to get out of it again. It's either for you or for someone you know. We will be going out into realms that are not yet accepted by mainstream. We will be talking about the effects of food on your emotions, being unaware of your emotions, shadow work, triggers, soul retrieval, awakening, dark night of the soul, near-death experiences and much more. Some of those shows would be just me talking about things that are on my heart and what I learned lately. Other shows are with guests from around the world which will share their knowledge with us and broaden our horizons. Those guests can be scientists, shamans, medicine men or women, therapists, personal coaches and of course people that went through depression themselves and sharing their experience, what they learned by finding out who they are. Follow me on this journey to learn more about how to overcome depression. Learn to accept and love yourself truly. So we can embrace our authentic self unapologetically and start expressing who we are without fear, but with joy and lightness. Please remember to like and subscribe to never miss an episode and share this episode with someone you know that needs to hear this information. So without any further ado, let's get into today's show. Hi. So, okay. I almost said hi in Danish. <laughs> We are here in the second interview with Susanne Zenani from Denmark. And that's probably why I was on the Danish mindset. We had an interview last week. So now this time we promise you to go a little bit deeper into Susanne's experience with depression from her own experience. And... If you want to know more about Susanne, then please listen to the first episode, which you will probably find <laughs> the show link in the show notes. And Susanne is a shortly described um, yeah, woman photographer or women photographer, which she, where she helps women to have a better self-image and to find themselves better. She's also coaching them. She had a lot of growth. That's what we heard in the first podcast episode herself and um, certain patterns she had to work on to get over um, self-love goddess um, i think to remember was the english word uh, <laughs> how to love yourself more and much more so let's see what um, susanna will share with us today welcome again thank you oliver it's nice to be here <laughs> i'm excited yeah. about our talk today Yes, I'm really uh, curious, of course, <laughs> like always. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> to, to go straight deep into um, today's talk from depression to expression, you said last time you had a known depression about 10 years ago, which was catapulting you in the life you're leading now, kind of, if I got mm -hmm. that right. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. Yeah. Yeah, you could say that. <clears throat> so what happened? And you know, like let us let us be enlightened. <laughs> <laughs> um okay. So what happened 10 years ago was that I uh, I came back to Denmark after having seven years outside of Denmark in different countries. The last four of those seven years were in South Africa. And when I came back to Denmark, I was pregnant. I was uh, six weeks pregnant. And um, my partner was South African and he stayed behind in Cape Town, just to begin with, that was our plan anyway, that he was going to stay behind me uh, and set everything up while I was setting everything up in Denmark, finding a place to stay, finding a job. I thought that I could get a job without any problem uh, because I was just six weeks, weeks pregnant. I didn't think that that would be an issue. Um, but what I didn't foresee was that after... Within the first week of my homecoming, my, my coming home to Denmark, I fell quite ill. Um, I, yeah, literally I threw up about 15 times a day, every single day for four months. <laughs> And being quite a, a thin human being that I am, uh, losing weight is, is not a good thing, especially not when you are pregnant <laughs> so I didn't have much um, power or strength in my body at the time I was I felt quite weak while the baby was growing inside of me um, after about four months that's when the depression hit because in those four months of being ill I couldn't go out and get a job could I I was literally lying and living on the couch <laughs> Um, actually on the couch of a friend in Copenhagen. Um, and then as that kind of dimmed off, then that's when the, the psychological part of my journey there started to evolve because I was so far along in my pregnancy that I realized, <coughs> excuse me, that I couldn't, I couldn't really get a job. And was I, I'm just trying to think back now, um, if I was on content Yelp, was I? So a social... No, I wasn't. No, I, wasn't. No, I no. There was another, back then, it, it doesn't exist anymore. Back then, there was something called Start Yelp. Now, that was meant for foreigners. So I was being treated, in Denmark, I was being treated by a foreigner, and I got about 5,000 kroner every month. And that's why I was staying on the couch. Uh, of a friend's house in Copenhagen um, so there was a huge pressure financially you know on the survival side of life and not being able to go out and get a job and my partner was still back in South Africa um, I didn't know when he was coming um, I wasn't able to build a nest, you know, I wasn't able to do anything. So I guess that's why, well, there are many reasons why the depression hit, but those are the, the conditions at the time that were surrounding me in my life at the time that caused me going into depression. So I started feeling very strange 
um, very sad and very empty inside. And I had this general feeling that nothing mattered. There was, there was absolutely nothing that mattered in life. And the fact that us humans, we get up in the morning and we do the same thing every single day over and over and over and over again. And, and that's just what I could see all over. Didn't matter where I was looking, whether I was walking in the street, looking at other people, walking towards me, holding their little children's hands. And I, I would also think that that, would, that was just pointless. There was, no, there was no point of being alive, no meaning, no meaning to be here. Uh, at the same time, I also got anxiety. So I had these, this um, unease, my physical, the way that I felt my, my body was, it was constantly uh, vibrating um, this unease energy. Normally, I would love to have a bath in a bathtub, but lying still, sitting still, being in my own presence was impossible. It, it's just, I, I really, really didn't, I couldn't, I felt like I had this feeling that I was going to explode. It's a very strange image, but that's the, the, the quietness would make me explode or something. When I went into a bus, that's the same feeling I had. I couldn't, um, it was very uncomfortable. Uh, the only time I found peace, really peace and a little bit of pleasure in my life at the time was uh, only two things that I could do. And one thing was going to the swimming pool, the public swimming pool. <laughs> now, the whole time in the changing room and in the shower, I felt horrible. I would, the same thing that I just described was the case. I would look at the other people, the women in the shower, and everything just felt meaningless and very uncomfortable. And as soon as I was in the water and I was swimming, then I could relax and, and I felt kind of normal again. <laughs> uh, as soon as I got back out of the water, the feeling came back. And the other thing that gave me a little bit of peace was watching uh, this Danish program called, uh, what was it? Um, this dancing program that they oh. show. Um, Vilma dance. <laughs> <laughs> Is that old? Is that already oh, 10 God. years old? Yes. Yes. It was running back then already. Um, and I think it had been running already for a few years. So it's been going for a long time, hasn't it? <laughs> it's, uh, but it's, I think also Switzerland has it, Romania has it. Ah, um, uh, yeah. yeah. I think it's one of these Dutch things which spread all around the planet <laughs> okay i think the dutch are it's really very good in nice that. though you know it's because it's colorful and it's, <laughs> it's all about happy you know hap all the people are very happy and it's it's all kind of exaggerated but i think it's the it's the movement it's the music as well the movement and the music was feel good music and it was just like entering into some kind of fairy tale world <laughs> Uh, for for just that one hour, and then everything was back to shit. <laughs> now that now that you say it was all colorful and fairy taleish, did you also try to read books, fairy tale books, or something like that? No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> because then you would have been too quiet with yourself, or 
Yeah, I've never been a big reader. So that it wasn't the books that I, I turned to. I, I did go to a, a psychotherapist. Well, first I, I went through several weeks of trying to push through to get to my, my doctors. Um, and then she's recommended me to go to a psychotherapist. And she then, we had a meeting of an hour or one and a half, and she made a little analysis of my, my current state. Um, and she determined that I had a light depression. Um, it didn't feel light. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, did, I had thoughts about not wanting to be here and and considering could i kill myself because this is horrible you know i had those thoughts i did realize though that i couldn't and i was not going to kill myself so i guess if you're in a severe state of depression then that's where you could actually do that um <laughs> i guess without really knowing the i'm going now okay my love have fun okay so yeah, and that was the sun you just talk about yes. where the depression started in the mm. background. I just come to think you went through several sessions with the doctor, so you finally could get a therapist. And then they say you're lightly depressed and you just feel like I can barely do anything. I know that feeling, right? You just feel like, why do I want to kill myself? Yes. I also was on the same point, like do I want to kill myself? No, not really. But somehow you really want. Mm -hmm. And then they say it's a light depression. I'm like, Jesus, how is it a severe depression? Exactly. Yeah. I, yeah. If you don't want to feel worse. So I, what you say, it's reflecting a lot to me. Like you do not want to feel worse at that point because you can barely make yeah. it. Or how was it for you? Well, I think a severe depression, you, you are you're in a state where you can't even get out of bed. You know, that's my own terminology kind of, that's what I think that, that you are, it's so severe that, that, that you're lying, you're, you're just lying down the whole day, maybe. But okay. anyway, that's, that's, that wasn't my case. I, my case was I could, I could get out of bed and I could walk around. Um, I just felt horrible on the inside. Okay. So you didn't have this, I don't want to get up of bed today. You, you, you made yourself getting up and have breakfast and some kind of a routine. I was able to do what I had to do to survive. Yes. And I did, like I said, I, I was staying on the couch of a friend's house in Copenhagen. So he was also there to help me and he made dinner lots of times. So, you know, there was someone taking care of me during yeah. that, that, that that's nice to have someone um mm. and also pushing me because he he knew just like i also realized that antidepressant was not what i wanted to do i was offered that when i went to the um, psychotherapist she said that even though i was i don't know what i where was i in 20 20 weeks pregnancy or something like that by the time the she said that I could get antidepressant, uh, but there was no way, you know, I, I was just saying, no, 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 I'm not doing that. I will handle this myself. Now, by that time, I had already started doing some things and I had felt 
I'd noticed a very small but significant change because of pushing myself out of the house to go for walks. That in itself was a tool to to go in the direction of feeling a little bit better. So I realized that I was I, I would have to do this and I was going to do this by myself to heal myself from the depression. I did not want medicine like that. Okay, so you were able to change by slowly going out walking and probably going to the swimming pool because you feel good. Mm. Um, did you always feel good in water? or around water i mean now you're blue dressed right i can see you have a pullover oh, yeah. in blue so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i love water um i've had years where i haven't done swimming but it's i, I do i do like water very much yes i love to look at it and i love to be in it <laughs> if it's a good temperature that is <laughs> so you're not one of these cold water bathers no winter swimming in um around uh, i did start that actually that was also part of my personal growth journey so i started that last year yeah oh so this year yeah we are in the temperatures for it now yeah i'm not doing it now because of the whole lovely uh circumstances that we're all in uh, so the sauna is it's not closed yet um, but they have, like everyone else, they send out all these conditions. Oh. So you have to go and get tested or you have to be vaccinated and you have to this and you have to that. And I don't, um, I will not, <laughs> I will not. Go. Okay. So yeah, I oh, just, okay. yeah, I had an interview last year with a friend in Copenhagen and, uh, he was just in front of, in the city of Copenhagen, they have apparently this, I don't know exactly where it was, uh, you know, the closed in swimming in the i guess ocean and then the changing room and the sauna so it's probably something like that you were doing right so you have a changing room a sauna and then you can go to the water there or uh, there's just this uh, like a container down at ah. the harbor that's it it's an it's yeah there's a door in there's a very small little uh changing room and then you go into the sauna and you go back out if you want to go out to the harbor to jump in the water Okay, but it's meant as a winter bathing with sauna. Thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's only open during winter. Okay, yeah. Yeah, but that's, of course, um, two years ago when I went down here, they've been talking about it here in Stroh to do something like because of Wim Hof winter bathing. Uh, mm. Going in the water with my daughter, we went like three times. Uh, it must have been in February. And by the time I was home, I was all cold, right? And then you finally have the hot water. So it's, you know, you go in the water and then you get out and you get changed. You go to the car, you drive home, and then you go in the hot shower. I think it's, of course, really nice to have this sauna right next to it. <laughs> and that's the combination that I need in order to do it. I, I can't go. I mean, there are some people who can go down and jump in the cold water and come back out and then they get dressed and then that's fine. But I can't, I, my body can't warm up. Um, well, it can. It just takes hours and hours and hours. And then I'm cold all the time. So I need the sauna to combine it with the winter okay. bathing. Yeah. So how was it then last year for you when you did the cold winter bathing? How did you feel? More awake or? Oh, it was amazing. Um, I, my son and I started in, in August. 
he was actually the one who got me started because he decided that he was going to do it every single day uh, and all through winter as well, he said. Uh, he's, he was very ambitious at the time. He didn't follow through on that, uh, on that goal, but he followed along with me. We went down to the fjord here in Prastu about four or five times a week. In the beginning, we were very consistent. I was consistent saying we, we have to go, you know, at least four, if not five times a week. Um, and I started also, in when we started in August, I started telling people, I have started winter bathing. Now, in I know August. it was August. <laughs> yes, but for me, it was already winter temperature. I mean, not, but because I've never actually, I've never bathed in the Danish water <clears throat> because it's always been too cold for me and it's always been yucky. I've always had all kinds of excuses why I shouldn't go into the water here in Denmark. Um, so to me, it was quite cold already in August. <laughs> I would never normally, up until then, I would, would never have gone in. So it was a big change. But I was, I was doing that because we, we kind of skipped many years here from the depression now to, yep. to last year. Because, <laughs> you know, obviously there's been a long journey in those years of, of growth, personal growth and learning lots of different tools about how to take care of myself. Let, let's then continue where you were. Sorry, because the water thing was kind of like popping in my head that you felt so good in yeah. water. That's why I came up with the question. But let's go back and then uh, we can, you know, <laughs> knit the points together at the end of, yes. uh, you know, it's not too long ago. So, yes, you started going outside. You started feeling better mm. uh, by yourself because you didn't want to take the antidepressants. I do understand you're pregnant with another human being in, inside your body mm. and you don't want to take some external chemicals. You do not know how that affects the kit, right, on the long term. Mm. So what else could you then start doing? What happened after you said, okay, there's a big change by going out, walking every day? Mm -hmm. um, I actually don't recall what else I, I did during those last few, few months of my pregnancy um, aside from pushing myself out the door to go for walks um, yeah I really don't remember what else I did but I remember that it worked and that I, I slowly felt a little bit better by the time I got to January I gave birth in February uh, I, I I knew I hadn't healed myself completely, but I was much better. And when my son came out, uh, he healed me even more. You know, I looked at him and I was in love and it, I felt much better. Obviously, I still had lots of steps to, to go through, but I had taken care of the worst of um, those deep, deep layers of depression. Wow. Mm. So, and by that time, what was with the father of the son? I mean, you said the father of the son waited for you to make the nest and everything. And now you said you yeah. gave birth and it was the next step in your healing. And what with the father? <laughs> Well, I was, he never, he never showed up. Uh, there was a shift in his energy. I mean, we were in contact every single day during my pregnancy. 
but by the time of New Year's, something changed and he didn't really respond to my messages so much. There was, the messages between us were further and further apart. Um, when I was lying in the hospital with my baby in my arms, I sent him a message to, tell, to let him know that he was now a father again, because he already had a daughter in South Africa. Um, and it took him three days to respond to that message. So, you know, that, that in itself is big communication, very honest communication, actually, when you're not responding. Um, so, yeah, he, he never showed up and, and he kind of backed down, got cold feet, so to speak, about the whole thing. And, and how was that for you, you know, being now freshly a mom? And you went through this depression and then you realize, okay, the father will not show up. Yeah, I didn't realize that at the time. I was still holding on to uh, a vision, a hope, a dream. Um, so I guess, you know, parts of me were still quite naive. Mm, yeah. And also because he he wasn't exactly speaking very truthful or honest i mean he wasn't speaking out his truth to me at the time he was holding back he was afraid of the conflict uh so he was holding kind of holding on to me in a way because we we had contact i don't know maybe once a week or maybe well the further we got along uh into mika my son's life uh it maybe our messages our contact was two weeks apart or three weeks apart uh, and he was still saying, you know, when I would ask him, when are you coming? Are you going to be here for his name party? Blah, blah, blah. And, and he would say, yes, I'm coming. You know, so he was he was holding on to me. And I was so holding on to my expectations and my hope and my dream of us uniting, um, becoming a, a family. And so by the time Mika was five months old, I had enough. <laughs> the, my, my inner warrior came out very strongly. I, I called him many, many times until he picked up the phone. And I forced him to make a decision and to tell him what it was that he wanted and what he didn't want. I gave him pretty much all the options. I mean, he could choose, he, he could choose whatever package he wanted, really. You know, he could, if he wanted to have a regular contact with his son and only his son, then he could do that, whether it was on Skype or the phone or whatever with me. It was up to him. I just needed him to make a decision and to tell me what kind of, you know, what terms he wanted to, to keep the relationship going. Not, not the love relationship, because at that point I realized we're done. But it took a whole year from the time that I got to, you know, I arrived in Denmark in June and the following year in June, that's when I gave him the ultimatum. You got to make a decision now. What do you want? What do you not want? And then after he took a week to think about that and he responded to me that he felt we were better off without him. So, so he then withdrew from the responsibility of a, as a father. So, but it, was it liberating for you to know and you could move on or? Yeah, it was a help. Absolutely. Because, because it was, oh, it was a really tough year. 
<laughs> really tough year of holding on to this dream and expectations and and thinking that we were going to be together all this flowery pictures of the way it was going to be and yeah so it was absolutely I needed that closing the door you know this is this is it it's done I'm not going to deal with him anymore I now need to look forward and find out how the hell am I going to do this I'm a full-time mom now I'm back in Denmark I have been outside of Denmark for seven years so I actually don't really have a network my friends are not my friends anymore and my family has always been very very small I have my parents and that's that's it I have a sister as well in Copenhagen, but we're not super close. So, yeah, I had to to face reality and make some some decisions about where am I going to go from now? And my whole career up until that point was within hotel management. Uh, so I realized that that was not an option. I, I can't do that as a full-time mom. I can't go out and, and work in a hotel because no matter what job I take in the hotel, at the level that I was at, my qualifications level, I would have to be, you know, on call and I would have to jump in at 11 o'clock in the evening or in the middle of the night or whatever. And obviously that doesn't work when you are a full-time parent. Especially single parent. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of like a big stop there. I mean, it's a decision, right? You can say, okay, I'm, I'm going to have someone taking care of my kid instead of yourself uh, or you're there for your kid right um, mm. some people choose to say no career is more important oh yeah that's not me <laughs> <laughs> no but it, as I, I mean I said, there's a reason why I had a baby I wanted a baby <laughs> and I got a baby and I'm gonna be a parent for my baby <laughs> yeah but that, for me that's no matter also when you have you know now when you have a dog for me that's kind of the same like so many people that just have the dog outside in um mm, you know yeah in a cage with and like yeah but if you have a dog it's a part of the family uh right it's not chickens <laughs> or fish no exactly <laughs> yes it's a family member absolutely yeah, yeah and when you have kids as well so that's one of the parts i'm a bit shocked in denmark um i had a discussion today also with my son um you know when you give them to daycare and all these things it's it's so normal here that if if you feel it doesn't fit for your kid you somehow feel pressed into it um, I unfortunately with my son I gave in to that pressure and I really regret it I mm. cannot take the time back but this is about you so how did you you know what did you then do I mean we, we had in the last interview in the first episode mm. talked about all these different things you learned so what did then shift in you you realized okay I cannot be you know <laughs> doing this stressful job because I'm a mom so now what were the options and, and how did you find out? Um, well, I was quite lost. I felt like the same feeling that I had when I was a teenager and I had no idea what to do with myself and my life. You know, what am I here for? Who am I? Where should I go? What should I do? <laughs> um, so I felt quite lost for, for a few months, uh, not knowing what to do with myself and where to go. I was on, by then, by then, I was on content yield um, because they, the political thing changed in Denmark at the time. There was another prime minister and, and she chose to, to um, terminate that 
support that I was on before then, you know, the foreigners yeah. support. Yeah. Um, I met a woman, a very special woman who is still in my life today. She is a life coach. She had start, just started her business back then. And I met her at a birthday party with my neighbors. And I was sitting there next to her, talking to her about where I was at in my life and struggling and not knowing and uncertainties and all that. And she said in a very confident, firm kind of energy, I can help you with that. Not a problem. Give me two hours. I'll help you. <laughs> and so she, uh, she came to my apartment and we had a two hour session, which was very powerful. And apparently I was ready to, because I really made a huge shift through and just alone with that session there. It was quite big. Uh, and, and she asked me some simple questions that took me back to my childhood and my dream that I had at the time. And um, yeah, my dream was to become a photographer. Uh, I had this image when I was a child that I was sitting behind a bush in Africa, photographing lions. Um, <laughs> today I'm photographing female lions, you know, women lions. So, because they are very strong, powerful women, the ones that I take pictures of. Um, yeah, and she said to me, well, why don't you do that then? And my response was, oh, I can't do that. You know, you, actually, I said, you can't do that. And she said, why not? Well, because, um, because I, that, uh, um, you know, then you have to be really, really good at taking pictures. And on top of that, you, you, can't, you can't make money from photography. For, you know, it's art. You can't do that. She said, why not? <laughs> why not? Um, and, um, she kept asking me these questions to, to just take me deeper into that whole scenario. Obviously I was very limited at the time in my, uh, beliefs and those beliefs were taken on from my parents. I didn't realize that at the time. Um, and yeah, after that session, the next day I was searching for, uh, photography, um, schools in Denmark and I found one which was a two-year course and I took that course and I was allowed to pay you know I, I paid with you know the child support that you get every quarter of a month I paid with that money every third month so I was able to to do that course and halfway through that course I started slowly my business and, yeah. and you still were a couch living at your friend's place or you had your own place by then? Oh, no, I had my own place by then. Yeah, I moved into my own place right before, a month before I gave birth. Mm. And then I moved again after six months. I've done a lot of moving in my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, moving is not something bad. Uh, no, right? no. It shifts the energy it's good i like it <laughs> yeah if you need a change so yes and that that photography course is where i basically found you because you started asking questions on the in the group i think probably on facebook mm -hmm. 
<clears throat> yeah. And then uh, I started also trying to connect with people from that course in, in LinkedIn and Facebook and so on. And, and you popped up all the time because you were the one brave enough to ask questions. I have the feeling because I haven't really seen that many other questions over time. Okay. I'm, I'm not so much on Facebook anyway, um, anymore, but you were the one popping up all the time. So I think I once or twice said, gave you some kind of feedback, but um, mm. I, I don't know how this course is still going. I know they're still continuing and I have a friend who mm. said, oh, there, yeah, were pictures of you. there were pictures you took uh, on the big, uh, you know, on the big wall. I'm like, seriously? Like, yeah, I saw you there. And, you know, <laughs> she knows me and she went five or six years after I took it. Um, mm. But she stopped and um, I also stopped with photography because, right, you cannot make money. <laughs> see so, that's not true <laughs> no but I, I just say it because of course obviously you can make money you can make money with anything you really love um you can yeah and it's it's all about the beliefs and yes. um it's about releasing these beliefs so how could you what was the work for you to go over those limiting beliefs now you say you took them on from your parents obviously you said hmm. um, we can take them on from our school teachers from our friends from the books we read, the movies we mm. watch, whatever or not, right? So the beliefs come from from different places, mostly from the parents, obviously, because they are mostly around us and shape us when we are small, but it doesn't have to be, right? So how did you get over those beliefs? Well, it's been a journey of many years, <laughs> many, many, many years of <laughs> discovering new limiting beliefs. Oh. Um I'm sure, you know, we all, even if we are quite, a, quite far in our journey, we still have limiting beliefs as human beings. So I still have that today, uh, even though I have worked through a very, very, very long list of limiting beliefs. And I can, you know, I can list at least 50 that I've worked my way through over the last 10 years. And they they show up, you know, as you as you move along in your life, as as you discover that something is blocking you. If 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 you're on a if there is something you want, you truly desire, and you're going for it. In my case, it was my business and having uh, creating a successful business, and where there's both money flow and um, a client flow and uh, a flow of good energy and love in the business. Um, and my journey as we, I think we talked about that in the first episode, uh, also the whole money, money self-image, or was that you and me privately talking about that? I don't remember. Probably that. privately. <clears throat> yeah. But yeah, that's that's always a a problem. Yes, it's been a big issue in my journey as uh, as an independent business owner. Um, But there's every time, whether it's money or any other subject that we have a limiting belief, there is a huge potential for personal growth. Because when we discover, the first thing is when we discover the limiting belief, we can do, you know, we, we've already done half the work. It's not, it's not in our subconscious mind anymore. It's up in the light, in the conscious mind. When we, when we can, you know, when we write it down or, or we can see it and, and understand the words of the limiting belief, we understand the energy that's in it. 
with our conscious mind, then we can shift it, then we can change it and, and eliminate it. And, and we can replace it with a new, stronger, whatever belief we want it to be. That's the magic of becoming conscious of our beliefs that we discover whether we want to keep them or not. We, we have that option when it becomes visible and conscious to us. We have an option to look at it with an open mind and decide, is this belief good for me? Is this belief one that supports me on my mission and vision in life? Hmm. And then from there, if, it, if the answer is no, then you can make a new one and you can integrate it into your cells through your thoughts and, and through lots of tools that uh, <laughs> I also use in my business and that I've learned throughout the years. So, uh, that's the free will so many spiritual and personal growth teachers are talking about the free will of choosing, right? Um, to continue or do I change? Now you say half the, half the work is done when you're aware of the limiting belief. And what I can hear, um, I just repeat it again uh, in my own words, is that when you work, um, now let's say in the business or interaction with other people, and you see that you say, I cannot... And then you sit there like, why can I not? And then suddenly, like, because ABC, then you realize, oh, there was, there's this ABC, which I believe subconsciously. Now you can suddenly see it in front of you that because of this or that, you cannot do something in the business or you cannot do something with your friends or in life, whatever it is. And now you ha have this awareness of this ABC. Um, what are like, one or two of the most efficient tools that you came across in your journey that could help you to actually integrate this, this knowledge to change the beliefs? Is it like one thing that comes to mind is like the positive affirmations. Um, one thing like, I'm good, I'm good. And yeah, okay, that's just very simple, but something like that what was really working for you because these positive affirmations don't work for me it's kind of like it's it's just too superficial <laughs> but what what is like one that's or two things yeah that's very interesting um see the affirmations that you're talking about is is a very powerful tool if you use them right that's <laughs> the whole thing so that's why i've created my own tool Uh, and I don't call them affirmations. I call them mantras. Um, so the whole thing, whether you call them affirmations or mantras or whatever you want to call them, um, there's more than um, there's more names. Um, the thing is, if you if you don't, if you just if you if you just come across some affirmations and you just read them out to yourself then they are not personally directed towards your situation. Each person, each human being has their own uh, issues and shadows and holes inside of them, imbalances. And so if we can just take a simple example of, for instance, if you are a woman, I work with women. If you're a woman, this works just as well on men, but if you're a woman and you have a very poor 
um, relationship, a very ill relationship to yourself in the sense of you look at yourself in the mirror and you truly don't like what you see. You don't like what you see on the outside. You don't like what you have on the inside. Okay. So your relationship with yourself is very bad. <clears throat> if you come across these affirmations and you see one that says, I am beautiful and I fully love and accept myself. Okay. So this person, this woman is going to read out these words and she's going to stand there in the mirror or whatever, how she does it, read, the, read them out to herself every day. She's going to, she, there's going to be so much resistance in all of her systems inside of her being. It's going, just going to do like this because it's not true. <laughs> It's not true. I don't believe this. So obviously, because the resistance is too, it's too big, then it's not going to be get those words, the energy, the belief is not going to be integrated in your system, in your cells. And that's why then I have, over the years, developed um, a, a tool where you have to make your own personal mantras or affirmations, if you want to call it that, I call them mantras. So you have to find the words that truly resonate with you, with you. So it's a, it's a, it's a game. You, you have to try, you have to play with the words, put them together to shape a sentence that works for you, where the resistance is not too big. So I use a, a visual image uh, of well, not a visual. It's you can use a visual image either of, of a set of stairs with one with from one to ten steps. So when you make a new affirmation for yourself or a new mantra, you need to look at what is my current uh, my current state with this topic. In the sense of, in this example, it's about loving yourself. <clears throat> So maybe if this example, she was on one, definitely she was on one. Yeah. So, and, and that the mantra that I said before, where I, I'm, I am beautiful and I fully love and accept myself is on 10. Yes. So when you make your own personal mantra in relation to this, trying to accept yourself, then you have to find something that is on no further than three steps away from your current step. Does that make sense? Oh, it does make sense for me, right? Okay. The first, yeah. because what what I see, um, I just add here, and I try not to put my stories in so much. <laughs> uh, I have some feedback from some of my listeners. <laughs> mm -hmm. When I see this, like say mm -hmm. ten step, right? You can take whatever steps you want. Some take three, yeah. five, ten, twenty, whatever, right? Hundred steps. I do not get that point. <laughs> um, but one to 10 makes some kind of a sense. So you're at the one, mm -hmm. uh, at the 10 is like where you're in bliss, right? Where you fully accept uh, mm -hmm. whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. I can generate money. I'm the most beautiful. I'm loving. I can see if you go from one to 10, obviously that's a really big stretch. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I can see like in myself, the feeling I got when you were explaining was that this rubber band, <laughs> right? So the further you have to stretch this rubber band, the more, there's the, the resistance, right? The more this will collapse, the more it will, yeah, pull, but in the wrong direction. Instead of pulling it towards the 10, it will just pull itself to nothingness. So you have to find where this rubber band is not stretched too far. 
so it's it's so it's kind of like uncomfortable because it's stretching but it's still okay right it's like the same when you work out physical workout or going cold water i mean it was 2019 we went in wim hof and i had an interview with one guy who knows the wim hof uh in the last interview ever he also told me one of the most important things with winter bathing and cold exposures not to overdo it right it's the same elastic so if you stay too long in the cold water you actually will go back Instead, instead of having more resistance to the cold next time you can stay less long right mm -hmm. so if you go too far in this mental work i mean i don't know where you can go from one but you know then you might just stay there instead of going one step up that's that's how i feel when you were sharing it that's a very good uh, picture of of the situation when when you're standing there and you need to find a new a new tool and um it's got a, there's another image that I use is you have to be able to kind of reach out and, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's there. I can, I can almost taste it. Yeah. So that new mantra that you make for yourself, when you say the words out loud to yourself, it's okay. There's a little bit of resistance. You can feel it whether, and to some people you feel, they feel it uh, physically, different parts of their body. There's maybe a lump or, or, or heat. Uh, it, it can be expressed in many different ways. It can also be a thought. You know, it can be a yes or a no. Um, any kind of, it, it can be a sensation. So, but but it's got to be, this, it's okay with a little bit of resistance because otherwise you're not moving, you're not growing. But you have to have that feeling that it's within reach. I can, I can just reach out and it's almost there. And then you got to practice. That's the whole thing, practice. Practice, 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 and repeat, repeat, repeat. Um, every single day, many times a day, you have to get the feeling involved. So when you are, that's the whole idea with finding the words that resonate personally with you, because then there's a bigger chance that, that it works for you. It will work for you when you have your own words and when you put in the practice and the work that you, you know, the training and also implementing. So when you take out the time, it doesn't have to be much, just two minutes or one minute in the morning, one minute midday, one minute in the evening. Um, in the beginning, it's good with self-discipline where you say, okay, I'm going to do it every single day in the morning. I'm going to spend three minutes, for instance. And then again, there's many different ways you can do it. You can either have it written down on a piece of paper, which is hung up on the wall, written in your diary, you take it out every day and you read it out. And then every time you read one mantra, you have to try and get the emotion, which I'm sure you've heard many times you also. <laughs> yeah, so the, the emotion is super important. You can also record it yourself on, on your phone so you can hear yourself say the words and they can just play in your ears. Uh, you can walk with a mantra. So if you're walking in the forest or you are cooking food or cleaning, whatever you're doing, any kind of activity that involves just being you and being alone with yourself, then you can do the mental work at the same time, repeating the mantra, feeling the words, tasting the words. Yeah, that... visual, add the visual as well. Visual add image. This thing with the feeling, that's for me, most prominent from Joe Dispenza, 
but I know he's not the only one which is teaching these things. Um, mm. If you don't feel it, then it will not happen. At least he ta- shares it also in his own story, right? With healing his backbones. Basically, it took him 10 weeks from an accident where he was supposed to be with metal and screws and never move again in his lower back to heal completely himself. By and he said the Who first two weeks. Yeah, Jody Spencer. The first oh, two weeks, he said okay. nothing happened because he felt still this lack. He still mm. felt that he has to stop his clinic. He still felt that he has to stop with working with his clients. Mm. And when he changed that feeling, he mm. said he felt healthy and strong. Everything mm. changed. Mm. Um, but he's not the only one sharing that. It's just the one coming most prominent as so many else so how was it for you in your journey i mean now you went really deep in i think one of the most important parts mm. practice 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 mm. <laughs> i know that it's also for me i practice so many things and then eventually it just like disappears knowing exactly what is it you want to change you know what is the first piece you want to change to go on mm. um there's also that's tim ferris in my case which i remember but there's a lot of things he shares, which I learned in school. So, but he has learned it through life. It's find the piece. When you work on that piece, all the other pieces in the domino will fall. So if you try mm-hmm. to work on all the domino pieces, it takes a lot of energy, willpower, <laughs> mm. perhaps resources in whatever ways. But if you find that one piece, if you mm-hmm. fix that piece or change it or improve it, then all the other pieces will fall by themselves. Right? So um that's these two things come to mind so how was it in your life i mean now you say 10 years the first piece you started was getting out and walk yeah uh, and, and then mm-hmm. um then you had this two hours of very intense um coaching with mm-hmm. some simple questions which triggered you going back feeling memory wise to i want to be a photographer photographing lines from behind a bush and mm-hmm. i just had to think of it like yeah, that's probably a little bit more dangerous than <laughs> just of, of women. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It might have probably. Felt, yeah. I don't know. It, it perhaps it felt emotionally similar. You know, this fear of the first customers you had and take pictures and these expectations of making them feel good and everything. Uh, and from there, you moved. You said you had fifty different beliefs at least you went through to grow. This is just wow. I have the feeling I'm still working on the same two beliefs for the last 10 years. But of course, that's <laughs> who knows if I eventually sit down and start to journal, because I think that's one piece I need to do is journal, you know. Okay, yeah. What do I believe? No, how do I feel? And um, then, you know, uh, what is actually happening? Uh, what do I think? And then what is actually happening? That was in another interview you had, which will come after yours, because, yeah. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. how how it works at the moment with having two and three episodes with people mm-hmm. <laughs> um so it's like rewriting down you know the emotions the analytical and then how's the real situation and i think with that you get so much insight in, into yourself um in in respect you know to your time because you also have work and we got a bit delayed because um I had some issues with the kids and then walking the dog and then ex-wife calling as well, just when we wanted to start. So if Mm. suddenly the door opens, it's because the kids suddenly come. Um, I was thinking several times in this sharing of your story. When you look at yourself, 
the 10 years back or 20 years back, um, who were you and who are you now? Kind of like this, all these steps that came, if there's something popping mm -hmm. up into your mind. Your question is, who was I and who am yeah, I Yeah, like when you look at yourself, like if you think of like, who was I and who am I now? Because you shared 50, at least 50 things, limiting beliefs, right? So... Yeah. Well, the woman that I was, <clears throat> um, I was a very, I was uh, naive, um, a follower, I think, in many ways. I was not, um, how can I say, I was, I was not in charge of my own life. I was just following along, uh, waiting for things to happen. And the woman that I am today <clears throat> is completely different. I, I choose what I want to create in my life today and I'm creating it. I am. So it, when I decide there is something that I want and that's where the mantras come in, I work very intensely. I mean, they are a huge part of my everyday life mantras. And, and the exercise that I described to you is, um, is one that I also sell in my, in Sanani's universe, um, where it, it has, it, it, it's, it comes together with 200 examples of mantras, uh, because there is, well, it's more than 200, but it's, what is it? Is it 10 or 12 different self-image subjects that I've made mantra examples for. Now, they are still just examples because you are meant to make your own. It's just so that you have something that you can look through and you can get inspired to make your own, combine your own words. But the, the exercise um, guides you to, to, ask so that, to ask yourself the right questions so that you find out what it is, which limiting belief you need to work on, where you are at now in your life, and then it will guide you to take it from the uh, but that tool is one of many that I've developed over the years. You know, I use dancing, I use guided meditation. Dancing is also something I guide with my clients. Um, many other mental tools. Um, a breath work. Yeah, there's many tools. Um, and, and obviously that has changed me completely so that I am, like I said, I am a different woman today. My parents or my mom said recently she can't recognize me. I'm not the same at all anymore. Uh, I am what I call a heart warrior. I go out, I go for what it is that I want. So if I have a goal or a vision, <clears throat> I keep going like the warrior does. He keeps going. It's the masculine energy and the heart in front of the warrior word, the heart warrior is a combination of the feminine and the masculine energy. So I, I align those two energies inside of myself. Now that is also a big difference in who I was. I was, um, I was very much, um, I've been in the feminine energy most of my life and not so much in the masculine. I mean, I have made decisions and I've, obviously because I went traveling by myself for seven years. Uh, but but today I have I have the conscious understanding 
of those energies. So I consciously choose to navigate with in relation to those energies inside of myself. So sometimes I will feel that I have been too much in one energy and then I will do something to make a shift in that, to realign again, keep the balance. Um, yeah, does that make sense? <laughs> Definitely. I mean, I just see this energy around you. It's it's just crazy, you know. And I just remembered, right? So some of some pieces of the last interview came up again, right? As a child, all the bullying you went through and all the insecurities you went through, um, mm. definitely is of course hard to believe when someone is the first time meeting you last week, right? Uh, as I said might be six years ago that I wrote to you, like use this and that in Photoshop, then you will get mm -hmm. to the result you want um, or check out this YouTube video, um, whatever. I don't remember how I answered, <laughs> but it was once or twice. And then, you know, seeing you now and then imagine who you were, of course, I can only take from my own experiences. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and then you say you have been very much in the feminine energy, not really in the masculine. And it, I think it's so nice that you, that you share it's so important to combine both even though you're mm -hmm. a woman right you need the masculine energy we all need the masculine and feminine energy that's also with a lot of the man work it's basically to get in touch with your feminine mm -hmm. or actually into your healthy masculine because <laughs> most men in are, are in the unhealthy masculine energy in this competitive um infantile whatever energy mm -hmm. instead mm -hmm. of the you know being aware and choose and, and and drive with consciousness mm. right so that's where it's going wrong with the man and for the women i can see it's the same right when you get in the conscious masculine you're choosing um from knowing it sounds like i actually said wrong because i like most women in society today have been mostly in the masculine energy so that okay. is uh, even though I had I had this longing for so long that I've I've always had this longing of of living my life through the feminine energy, um, slow slow life, slow living, and going with my heart and my intuition, going with the flow, just yeah, very feminine. That that was what I was longing to do. But again, there were limiting beliefs telling myself that I had to do it this way and this way and this way and this oh, way, yeah. because this is the masculine way that, that the whole society and the whole corporate world has been built up on masculine yeah. values and energies. So that is actually the big task, the big job challenge that we are facing now in life, in the world uh, is to align those two energies for the women and yeah, for the men to to implement the feminine energy, and for most women, they they need to implement the feminine energy into their lives. You know, when they're out in the corporate world, they are working very much in a very masculine environment. Masculine values. Everything is about efficiency. How fast you can do it how um you know the money the, the, the financial results that you can make <clears throat> it, it's all masculine values so the, the the women most 
it is definitely the majority that we're facing here you know, that, that that need to come be guided back into the heart again feminine energy masculine energy yeah the head masculine energy analyzing and uh, making decisions and, and um, efficiency and speed everything goes fast yeah. so yeah i'm <laughs> rambling on now sorry <laughs> no no uh, yeah um i can see it's I mean, we can have a one-hour show just on masculine and feminine energies and yeah. um, get some Native Americans to take there. You know, the path from the head to the heart is the longest journey you will ever take in your life. Mm. Um, it's one of the sayings. And then you get to the South American Natives, then you get to the Aboriginals, then you get to the different African cultures. Mm. Um, I guess they they all know we all have the feminine and the masculine. And um, I guess... Yeah, it sounds like what you also meant is like this negative masculinity, this not major masculinity is like this drive of doing faster, 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 like this mm-hmm. feeling that it has to be done and fast. And and men also, I mean, one thing is the men, of course, through society, live that kind of energy stronger than women. But the last 10, 20 years, 30 years, I can see, you know, more and more women are in corporate and they succeed by copying that, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and then of course a lot of relationships break apart, uh, mm. but that's also because the men are too much too much in this masculine energy and not in this protective masculine energy, right? The strong, mm. um, and also not in touch with the feminine part, with the flow and letting go. And when you do that as a man, you you look at as the odd one, you're the creative, mm. whatever, sculptor, painter, whatever artist, and it's alive. Uh, you wish you could do it. It's only for the special. Uh, mm. No, it's for the special because they accept it and they have integrated. And that's why they get success with it because they live it. And, mm. and that's why they're special, but they're not special because we all are special. <laughs> so in the end, no one will be special. Um, yeah. Now I start rambling around. So <laughs> <laughs> we're both rambling, <laughs> but it's, it's beautiful. Um, I got a nice picture from where you are. So you're much more, you're more knowing of yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Basically, that's where is you were not knowing. Now you're more knowing. Um, and when you when you have that knowledge of yourself, the inner knowledge of yourself, then that's where you can better navigate and you can choose consciously what you want to take into your life. You know, you can choose consciously where you are going, what is right for you, what is not right, instead of just like I said, that's the woman I was following along and and living other people's life actually living other people's beliefs that's that is the journey as i see life is about the first many years of your life you incorporate other people's you know your parents society's beliefs and at some stage you have to stop and look at yourself and go through a journey where you come home you come home to yourself you become realigned with your soul and your heart so that you can go your journey of you know your, your true soul's journey yeah yeah um two words pop up um let's take the first one and then we'll see where that goes the, um, how did your work with other women shape your growth uh, to find yourself I think it was a simultaneous process uh, going through my own personal journey. And as I 
as I was taking on um, these different, going through different online courses and reading books and, and whatever else I did throughout the years, I would incorporate the, the, the tools and the knowledge that I learned, uh, I would incorporate that into my business and into my own, develop my own method, which is today what I call Sinani's ritual. So I, I always guide a meditation or a guided dance before a photo session, or it's a part <laughs> of the photo session, yeah? I always have a conversation with the, with the woman and, and all these mental tools that, um, or mental images that the woman has is something that I also incorporate into my work through the conversation that I have with her throughout the session, whether it's through the dancing or through the photography uh, work. So it's just been incorporated over the years, each time I've learned something new, like dancing. You know, I started dancing a lot uh, in my own living room and, and building that in because I felt, you know, I could feel what a huge difference it makes. It's a huge, important tool to work with, with your body and to, to feel each part of your body because there's, you know, your, all of your experiences are stored in your body. There's memory in, in each cell and each muscle and each tissue of, of your entire body. So it's super important to move and express and get those feelings out. Otherwise, they become blockages and, and knots around and then it becomes disease if you don't deal with it. So that's why I also built it in the dancing to, 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 to first and foremost, when I use it for, for a photography session, uh, I use it to, to peel away all these layers of masks and, and inhibitions and, and all the layers that, that we put on as human beings to protect ourselves. Yeah. And, and, and to, to feel safe. Uh, so when we go out into the world, most people put on these faces, these masks, uh, whether they're conscious of it or not. So the dancing or the guided meditation is to peel these layers off so that when we start, when I pick up the camera, I don't have to start going through all those layers as much. You know, there still might be some layers, but there are not as many layers as before the dancing or the meditation. Yeah, and you learned that, of course, through incorporating the different things and in the beginning you had to go through more layers and probably you were also more energetically tired um <clears throat> during uh, it taking took pictures forever to get through those layers in the beginning where i wasn't using the ritual you know in the early years of my business i just started <clears throat> photographing the woman immediately as the session started and obviously she would be stiff as hell she would be like a zombie or a robot or whatever you want to call it you know there would just be this stiff face uh, full of all the self, the, all the limiting self images would just show on the face, you know, uh, all the thoughts that go on in the head of a woman who's being photographed because most of them, all the ones who come to me hate being photographed. And there's a reason for that. It's the self images. They are noisy. They're shouting <laughs> because, uh. you know, there are parts of herself that she doesn't like. That's why the camera has become a tool for me to show the woman what it is, what self-images that she has, limiting self-images that she has, that she can work on to embody and, and embrace herself 
move. Yeah. But I, I, as I said, if you have to go through so many layers, you're tired, really physically, mm. emotionally tired as well. And you might not get where you want. And now mm. you have this ritual over the last 10 years through different classes, of course, through photography and realizing certain women have a certain uh, self-image. So you started mm. to be able to recognize that, write it down in your different groupings, I guess. And then, oh, she has this. And then you already know which way to go to actually help. And then, of course, the rituals. I just realized the thoughts coming up because another person going to the same photography class said, what should I take pictures of after 15 minutes? Why should I take more than 10, 15 minutes for a portrait? I'm like, Jesus Christ. You're not even scratch the surface <laughs> after 10, 15 minutes. <laughs> if you want the portrait, you yeah. take more time or you're really good. I mean, there's some really, I mean, why do some photographers get $10,000 per photo shoot per portrait? Because they have just this, whatever, inner knowing ability to just strip the person they take a photograph of from mm -hmm. all the masks and are able to go straight with, in yeah. 10, 15 minutes, they're straight at the core of that person. Because of mm -hmm. whatever they learn, whatever their energy, whatever techniques is. they use, yes. right? And they're just able mm -hmm. to do that. Some can do that from early on because they have this mm -hmm. natural thing. But else, it takes time. Uh, for me, it always takes time to go. And I was always getting tired. And I think that's one of my limiting beliefs why I mm -hmm. just started giving up. Uh, because mm. I said, I cannot expect all these customers to spend so much money because I take so much time. It should be easier. Yeah. But it took time for me to get to the person, right? Mm. So they're relaxed. <laughs> and <laughs> you get this natural expression because before it's like mm. stiff, as I said, or yeah. played, or they expect to have to play something. So they get... You can basically see everything in the eyes. I mean, when, when you focus, when you only put in your, you know, your focus on the eyes, you will see whether the person is, is in, in pure energy or if there are these masks uh, of insecurity, fear, um, unease, whatever the emotion that is, is holding them back from just standing in their own light. Yeah, that's also, I, I ask myself, why the masks, right? Why do we have the masks, mm. right? Is it, the, those are the insecurities. And when you know thyself, then you don't need to wear the masks. And I've been saying many times, I don't want to wear all these masks. Why should I wear a mask when I, I talk with you now? Mm. And I wear a different mask when I go in the shop. And then I wear a different mask when I apply for another job or whatever. Why can I not just be myself? Because there's mm -hmm. these limiting beliefs, so I do not know myself truly. So therefore, when I think I'm not wearing a mask, I might be offending other people. Well, the limiting belief is also in that relation that you 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 think you have to do something specific or act or look in a specific way, appear and dress yourself in a specific way, talk in a specific way, communicate. You know, general communication, you think you have to communicate in a special way when you enter into one place or another place, the corporate world or, you know, a party or whatever the, the surroundings um, are about, you, the limiting belief is about shifting, shape-shifting, because you think you have to be someone or act in a specific way when you are with a certain group of people yeah. instead of having to just show up. And that's a part of that journey, you know, having to look at um, not comparing yourself with other people and also not 
not taking on the role of of becoming them yeah so and, and you can definitely see that in your life how you react outside right so you're more yourself whenever wherever you are you're just you basically i'm always me where it doesn't matter <laughs> where i am and i don't care what people think or, or believe or how they respond yeah yeah which is also why i've been able to handle this covid situation in a very empowered way you know it's yeah. Um, I step out, I walk into the street the way that I've, that is true for me. Um, and that's how we should do, right? Um, yes. But let's somehow wrap it up. Wrap it up somehow. <laughs> yes, because we went yes. really from, we definitely, this time we just went straight in and the people might be shocked. So sorry, if you just listened here and you didn't listen to the first episode, sorry. Um, again, <laughs> you should go to the first episode for background. <laughs> information mm. but it was it was really nice and open um how you shared the whole depression to expression because you definitely i mean the second part after feeling i think we are a little bit more than yeah one hour or something one hour 15 but the second part you definitely expressed a lot and um it's beautiful so there's nothing else basically to say then where can the people reach out to you if they want to learn from you and grow themselves, learn to get rid of their masks and start to apply these different tools. And um, is there any other thing you want to guide them to any other teacher or book or whatever <laughs> you can think of? <laughs> well, they can, first of all, they can find me on my website, senani.dk. Um, right now I am what I have currently um, in my business that I'm working on is a right now I'm preparing a six week online course, which will start on the 14th of January, um, which is again, of course, about the self image. Um, yes, it's my first online course. Uh, I, it, it's a live one with with weekly live interactions. Um, Yes, I have my heart cards that I just launched uh, about a month ago now, one and a half months ago, and they are quite, they're being received with, a, with much love. Um, and I am receiving so much love in return from the people who have ordered them. Uh, so they, they are apparently what, what was needed right now. So um, they are self-love cards with with exercises much of the, you know one of the exercises that we talked about today is is on one of the cards there's lots of half of the cards are exercises for your um inner world your thoughts and your emotions and the other half of the cards are exercises for your body your physical body and also for for the way that you relate to the world around you and you can order them on zenani.dk. Yes. And I, I guess they're in Danish. Yes. <laughs> uh, they are not in English yet. <laughs> so please, people, if you listen to this episode and you say, I want to have it, but I do not speak Danish. I only speak Norwegian. <laughs> no, mm. I'm joking. That's the same. Um, <laughs> but yeah. It's almost the same for people which have not uh, familiar with the Scandinavian languages. In Denmark, when you look on the products, it's a lot of time Danish-Norwegian in the same 
thing. It's like 80% the same. But if you speak English or something like that, and you want Susanna to make it in an English version, uh, please reach out to Susanna or to me. And then we gather how many people are interested in that to see if it's Well, I mean, the photo session, a one-on-one photo session, woman, woman image session is obviously I can do in English. We're speaking English, so... Um, yeah, but I mean, also for the cards, if people want to order cards. The cards is different, yeah. If the, a, you've got to be Danish. To, at now, the moment, right? but who knows if suddenly yeah, 150, 200 people come and say, we would love to to buy a set in English. Yeah. Then it, then it, <laughs> Later I on, I'm definitely going international, but not yet, not yet. No, 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 but you're, you're doing well. Super. I love it. I, I really love, I love the energy and... I look outside and I see the gray world and I look there and I just see this golden light and Anissa or something hanging on one of the honeycomb oh, yes. lamps. Yeah. <laughs> Nisa is an elf. It's I think. Christmas elf. Yeah, it's not really the same, but yes. Yeah, it's not yeah. the same. But There's no real English word that, that just feels right. It's the same with the Danish word hygge. There's no English word that feels right. No, uh, but uh, we have a Wichtelmännlein. Uh, in German, which is Anissa. But they're oh, similar. But say it again in German. A Wichtelmännlein. Ein Wichtel. 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 A Wichtelmannli, uh, Swiss German. <laughs> ah, okay. All right. Yes, well, it is Christmas, so. Yes, uh, almost. Yes. We have a week. Almost. Yes. Right? Yes, it's a week. Seven days. So, yeah, this will be after Christmas. Uh, uploaded i guess but um we are in christmas mood yeah and thank you so much uh <laughs> for you, the Oliver. second interview another I love lovely it. talk yeah very nice